So we are in John chapter 7, verse 37, and uh, we're going to emphasize verse 39, but uh, it says, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And so today we're going to kind of pick up on this topic of the Holy Spirit. If you were not here last week, I encourage you to listen to last week's teaching online. We have a YouTube channel. Our Facebook page has it on there. Um, we have podcasts, we have uh, our website, you type in uh, or just go to the most recent sermon on our website server, but um, we have been studying the Holy Spirit and it's a topic that John touches on frequently in this gospel and I just felt rushed kind of getting done with it last week and wanted to kind of give a part, you know, B or an appendix B or something like that, you know, uh, to consider maybe the fullness of what we see in the New Testament of the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is not something that's redundant for us as Christians. Um, it should never be, you know, where I hope nobody leaves this church today and gets in their car and goes, oh my gosh, there's just too much Holy Spirit, okay? Um, if you ever say that, then there's something wrong, Okay. Um, that doesn't mean that maybe it was presented right, you know, maybe it's not presented right. I can understand if there's frustration there, but we should always want more of the Holy Spirit, all right? Um, Charles Spurgeon said, it's a blessed thing to preach the works of Jesus Christ, but it is an evil thing to omit the work of the Holy Ghost. For the work of the Lord Jesus itself is no blessing to that man who does not know the work of the Holy Spirit. And so I want you to know the blessing of the gospel. The blessing of the gospel isn't just that Jesus came and lived a life that we could never live as sinners, uh, but rather and that he died the death that we owed. And that, that death that he died was the atonement for our sins and brought forgiveness for all of the world, that anyone that would believe in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. And the gospel isn't just that he rose from the dead, that anyone who believes in him would have resurrection power in them and have the hope of a resurrection themselves one day. That's all good, but it's not complete. Part of the gospel is also that uh, Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will send the helper or the comforter. And he will come alongside you and he will do incredible works in you and through you. And, and that's a big part of the gospel that many churches neglect today. If you go to Calvary Chapel, you're going to be hearing about the Holy Spirit often. All right. Um, and not only is it a heritage of Calvary Chapel, if you know much about the Jesus movement in the 70s and what the Lord did through Calvary Costa Mesa and Chuck Smith and whatnot, Lord birthed a movement there in the Jesus movement back in the day. Um, but much of what the Lord did is attributed to uh, an openness uh, and a biblical 
a pneumatology, all right, or a biblical study and understanding of the Holy Spirit, uh, as well as just going through the Word verse by verse, line upon line, and letting the Word, all the tough passages as well, uh, be pressed into our hearts. If you were to study the life of D.L. Moody, the famous evangelist and preacher from the 1800s, D.L. Moody attributes just everything that the Lord did through him as an evangelist, as does David Brainerd, as does Billy Graham, through the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, just to name a couple of guys that maybe you might have heard of. Um, But D.L. Moody, and I'm going to talk a little about his testimony in a little bit, He had um, a disciple and a guy that worked for him named R.A. Torrey. R.A. Torrey would travel around with D.L. Moody. R.A. Torrey was a man of prayer. He wrote a book called How to Pray, and we've gone through it at our prayer meetings. Uh, An incredible evangelist himself. Um, And he would often, you know, wherever Moody couldn't make it to go preach, uh, Moody would send Torrey to go preach. And I was just reading this morning, uh, time and again, Mr. Moody would come to me, Tori writes, and say, Tori, I want you to preach on the baptism with the Holy Ghost. I do not know how many times he asked me to speak on that subject. Then he says, once I was asked uh, to preach at the Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York, uh, invited by Mr. Moody's suggestion, he says, I would have never been invited there on my own. Uh, that's a little paraphrase for him. And... Uh, He said, Moody said to me, Tori, they want you to preach at the Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York. It's a great big church, cost a million dollars to build it. Then he continued, Tori, I just ask one thing of you. I want to tell you what to preach about. You will preach that sermon of yours on 10 reasons why I believe the Bible to be the word of God and your sermon on the baptism with the Holy Ghost. Time and again, he'd call me to go off to some church, and he'd come up to me and say, now, Tori, be sure and preach on the baptism with the Holy Ghost. I don't know how many times he said that to me. Once I asked him, Mr. Moody, don't you think I have any sermons but those two? Ten reasons why I believe that the Bible is the Word of God and the baptism with the Holy Ghost? Never mind that, he said. You give him those two sermons. <laughs> And you know, if you come to Calvary Chapel very often, I have a passion for the inspiration and inerrancy of the Word of God, that the Bible is our bedrock, our authority that you can take to the bank. But another thing that you just can't get away from as you're teaching the Word and wanting to live a New Testament Christian life is the absolute necessity for the Holy Spirit, and specifically for the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And as we say this, I'm aware that there are different understandings of the baptism of the Holy Spirit within the church. And I just bring this humbly from kind of a Calvary Chapel perspective, um, having taught this for many years, as well as looking at the different perspectives. This is where I land, and I understand that there's other people that believe differently. And I just want you to know that there's grace for that. I hope you'll have grace with me. I'll have grace for you. And I'll kind of touch on that a little bit. But maybe just hear uh, some of, and this is not... You know, you go weeks on this. This is just kind of a little bit that I felt I didn't want to move on from John 7 without bringing this out for us. Um, And uh, and I certainly don't want to neglect the Holy Spirit either. And so, verse 39 in our text today 
said that this living water that he spoke of was concerning the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. It's important to note, I'm not going to spend a ton of time in this, but that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, okay? He is God. He is not a force, okay? He's not like the force that you watch in Jedi, uh, you know, the Jedi magic or voodoo, whatever it is that they got going on in Star Wars, right? Just like the force is with you and Darth can like grab a guy by his neck and you know, with the force, you know, um, that's not the Holy Spirit. But many of you think that the Holy Spirit is the force. And so you're freaked out. I want nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is a person. Chuck Smith wrote a book called Living Water. And the first chapter is personality plus. Okay, because the Holy Spirit is a person. He has personality. He is referred to as a he in the scripture. God has revealed himself with a gender. He, in the scripture, uh, he has a job description, he gives gifts, he can be grieved, uh, he can be quenched, okay? And so when you think of the Holy Spirit, don't think of him as an it, okay? And I catch myself and I catch others. Now we catch each other here. Whenever we're talking about the Holy Spirit uh, and we say, you know, it gives us power. You know, it's like, no, no, he does. Okay. Um, my wife calls me an it sometimes and it's offensive. Of course it was when I had my hair down to my uh, toes and I wore a big top hat on my head, you know, like on Adam's family or whatever that is, but it, okay. See, I'm kind of young, but I'm kind of old too. Okay. And so the Holy Spirit is this is the person of the third person of the Trinity. And Jesus, John commentates on it here, comments on it, says that the Holy Spirit is whom those believing in him would receive. And so the one who believes on the Holy Spirit receives the Holy Spirit. So we know that in our understanding of the Holy Spirit. We also know that at the time Jesus had said this, the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Uh, translators kind of add some words to that sentence to help it make more sense to us in the English. But literally what it says there in verse 39 is, and I'm going to give you it in, in a couple different ways. For it was not yet spirit is how it's literally translated. Okay, so the Holy Spirit was not yet given because it was not yet spirit. Just makes a ton of sense, doesn't it? I'm glad they added those words to help us, right? That's what translation is about. Okay. Um, the word implied that it was not exactly working yet, or that it was not yet the dispensation of the Spirit. It was not yet Spirit. Uh, D.A. Carson says, up to that point, the Holy Spirit was not yet given in the full Christian sense of the term, okay? So at the point, Jesus hadn't been crucified yet when he talked about living water. He hadn't resurrected yet when he talked about the living water. He hadn't ascended into heaven yet when he talked about living water. And in John chapter 20, after the resurrection of Jesus, we have what F.F. Bruce calls the first recorded fulfillment of the promise, okay? In John 20, 22, Jesus is already risen, and he looks at the disciples, and he says 
a phrase, and then he breathes on them, and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. What do you think happens when Jesus in his resurrected glory looks at you and says, receive the Holy Spirit? I think it's good interpretation to understand it as they received the Holy Spirit. Okay? All right, so we have this first reported fulfillment of the Holy Spirit being given to the disciples. Even though Jesus hadn't ascended yet, that fullness of the glory of his even homecoming that the Psalms prophesy of hadn't happened yet. But even in his resurrected state, he was able to breathe upon the disciples. Sometimes at our prayer meeting at the Pulse, I just try to follow Jesus' example when I'm praying for people. Just kidding, I don't do that. Especially in these COVID days. Very important you have a mask on when you're breathing out the Holy Spirit on people. You guys don't have to leave. I was kidding. Jeez, you guys are so fickle about the social distance. Okay. Man, they'll be back. They always are. Okay. Okay. Now, flip over or flip the screen over to Acts chapter 1. Okay, so Jesus is resurrected. When you read the book of Acts, it says that Jesus had spent 40 days on the earth showing that he was alive by many infallible proofs. Okay? 40 40 days, he's alive, and now he's going to ascend up. But before he ascends up into heaven, he says... um, Verse 4, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. You might just underline there, promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Okay, so Jesus is about to ascend. But he says, you guys need to go and you need to wait back down. We're on the Mount of Olives, but you need to go back down into Jerusalem and wait. And they're going to wait for something like 10 days for the living water that Jesus had spoke of to come in this time when the, it's the time of the spirit. Okay. We just, verse 39 of our text, it was not yet spirit. Okay. Now it's the time of the spirit. Okay. And, and so he says, okay, I've already breathed on you, the Holy Spirit, but there's something more that's going to happen. Go down into Jerusalem and wait for what's called the promise of the Father, okay? So the, this event or this experience with the Holy Spirit, this work of the Holy Spirit is called the promise of the Father. It's something that we've heard from Jesus. Second thing you notice in this text, in this section Uh, We've heard it from Jesus before. We've heard about it in John chapter 7, okay? And it's something that we've heard from John. Jesus says at the end there, verse 5, John baptized with water. And John's going to reference this event, the promise of the Father, okay? And and, and we're going to hold off much more in that verse. Luke has a similar kind of commission for the disciples. And it's when... Jesus tells the disciples, Luke 24, 49, Behold, I send the promise of my Father. So there's that title again for the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the promise of the Father. So you've got the Father, and you've got the Son saying it. You've got the work of the Holy Spirit that's going to be happening. So that's called the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay. So I send the promise of the Father, 
but tarry in the city of... Terry, you like that? That's for you. Thinking of you, man. Okay. Terry... Well, different, I know. In the city of Jerusalem until you are... Pause. What is going to happen? What is going to happen to these poor 11 disciples as they go, wait, something crazy, I'm telling you. They're going to get taken out of control. And just, okay. What is it scary? Oh, the force is going to come upon these guys. It's going to just blow their brains. It's going to be crazy. No. What is going to happen? With the promise of the Father, you will be, and then we can continue, endued with power from on high. So what is the point of all of this? The point, the main point, the number one point, and, and there's some reciprocal things, or there's some, some other um, implications, I should say, from this, but the main thing that I want us to get about the Holy Spirit and this work, this age of the Spirit that Jesus spoke of, is that you will be endued with power from on high. Okay? When we get to John 14, and we're going to study it a little bit today, John 14, John 15, John 16, Jesus is going to talk more about the Holy Spirit. He's going to give us some more understanding on who he is, what he's up to, what his job description is. And so it's just good. As we go through the book of John, we're just going to see more about who the Holy Spirit is for the Christian. But Jesus says, go and wait for the promise of the Father, which you've heard from me. John 14, 15, 16, we will hear from it from Jesus again. And now in our verse 5 of Acts 1, 5, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Uh, It was David Guzik that said, the nature of the experience of the, of the work of the Holy Spirit here may differ among believers, but there is some aspect of it that is promised to all who receive by faith. Okay? Now, something that Jesus does here is he brings a distinction or a difference between the baptism of John and the baptism of Jesus. Okay? So, real quick, the baptism of John, Matthew 3.11 John himself says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. Now, if there was one guy that had the corner market on baptism with water, it was John the Baptist. You know, we kind of get like this, even as Christians, where we're like, this is my thing. This is my special, special thing. You know, maybe for me, it'd be like, man, I have this ministry to ranchers. I love going out and just riding with cowboys and tell them about Jesus as we're riding and working with them and just developing a platform where I can speak into their lives. God's opened up a a cowboy church, country church is not for cowboys. It's in the country in Polina. And we meet every week and God's doing a work on cowboys. And I've always had a call to reach out to those guys and it's exciting. And you know, I went to a branding over in Burns this last year and way out on the past Burns out on the East side up in the desert. And uh, you know what I saw there? Disgusted me. Another Jesus lover. <laughs> Cowboy hat and everything. Brought his own horse. Was trying to rope. That's my... <laughs> trying to rope is my thing. <laughs> and he's just going around. Loving people. Smile on his face. 
Like, I don't know what he's doing. We kind of steal each other's, you know, shots and stuff, and took him behind the horse trailer afterwards. And, my gig, okay? That's how John the Baptist was. He's like, I baptize. The word baptize, it's mine. You don't use it for anything else. Then his cousin comes along. Cuz, did you not know? This is all in my notes, by the way. Cuz, did you not know? Okay, so far I'm on track. Okay. All right. I baptize with water. There's one baptism. Ephesians is going to say it. John the Baptist says, or one baptism. Okay, it's water. That's it. Except for the one that my cousin's going to do. Because then he says, where was I? Oh, yeah. He who is coming after me is mightier than I, John the Baptist says, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. <gasps> how dare you? First of all, how dare you mention any other kind of baptism and this fire stuff, okay? What about Mark 1.8? Here's John. So I want to, I'm going to tell you, John the Baptist is going to talk about the baptism with the Holy Spirit in every gospel, okay? Mark 1.8, I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Luke 3.16, John answered saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John 1.33, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And then Peter will say in Acts 11, 16, Then I remembered the word of the Lord and how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so there's a distinction. First of all, John was the baptizer, and we can apply it today to, you know, any minister of the gospel. You don't have to be an ordained minister. You might lead your friend to Jesus, head on down to the river, okay? So, but, but a person will baptize with the element of water, and the purpose is that there's a symbol of repentance from sin and faith towards Jesus, okay? So that's what John the Baptist, water baptism was about, uh, and it was anticipating the Christ, the Messiah. Then we have Jesus being the baptizer, okay? And he baptizes, not with water, but with the element of the Holy Spirit, or with the person of the Holy Spirit, okay? And the purpose is not for repentance at this point. This baptism has the purpose of, um, we'll see in just a minute, okay? Uh, But there is that picture of fire being used when speaking of the baptism with the Holy Spirit, Joel prophesies of this day in Joel Joel chapter 2 verse 28 shall come to pass after that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So there's this baptism that happens with the spirit and he the spirit is poured out. That's one of the words that's used multiple times in the New Testament. A pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon uh, believers, upon all flesh, Joel says. Another thing that happens many times when the Holy Spirit is poured out is that spiritual gifts are given, okay? And I want to say biblical spiritual gifts. 
here Joel says, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, okay? Uh, we'll see that in Acts chapter 2. Peter will quote this on the day of Pentecost. Um, but, uh, you know, and so we believe that also gifts are things that accompany uh, the baptism with the Holy Spirit. We are a, a charismatic church, but we are charismatic with a seatbelt, okay? We have the seatbelt of the Word of God to tether us so that as much as we can, by understanding the Scripture, we want to operate concerning the Spirit and, and spiritual gifts with decency and in order, okay? There's a level of fear of God in this, and yet there's a level of not being afraid in this. We want to trust the Lord. We also understand God is gracious, and sometimes there's some learning that has to happen as we're walking in uh, the gifts of the Spirit. But I want to just focus more importantly on the, on the, the real emphasis concerning the baptism with the Holy Spirit, and it's in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is the key verse of the book of Acts. Everything that happens uh, from the book of Acts happens, it flows out of this outline verse, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Man, it's 11.35 already. <sighs> Just got to the good verse, too. Okay, guys, look at me. Look, focus. Focus. You think you're tired? <laughs> um, will you guys give me till noon today? Okay, just noon. Okay, yeah. okay. Just You might have to bite your cheek to stay awake. Okay, just do it. Okay, you guys got this, all right? I just don't want to miss out on this, all right? Um, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You shall receive power. You should have it memorized, okay? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So what happens when the Holy Spirit comes? This day of the Spirit that Jesus spoke of. He spoke of it in John chapter 7, 37. Out of you will flow rivers or torrents of living water. We talked about that last week. <laughs> Powerful rapids of the Holy Spirit moving upon your life for what purpose? Not just so you can be ecstatic, dramatic, charismatic, charismaniatic, whatever. It's so that you can be witnesses of Jesus. That you would have power to be witnesses of Jesus. Okay? Um, it says there, you will receive power. It's the Greek word dynamis, which is where we get our words. Dynamite, dynamic, all right? Powerful, okay? Speaks of ability and mighty deeds and strength and combustion, okay? You will have power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you or toward you or unto you, okay? Now, that word Upon is actually important when you're studying the Holy Spirit. You might take a little pencil or a pen and either underline the word upon or just maybe make a little note in your margin. It's important because there are three main words that help us understand 
the work of the Holy Spirit or the placements of the Holy Spirit on our life. The first word in the scripture that we see is the word para in the Greek, para. And it means with, okay? The Holy Spirit is with you. I was going to bring some physical, um, what do you call it? Props today, uh, but all I have are my hands, and they are good ones, okay? Um, so if you will, imagine right now uh, that you are a glass of, for water or for juice or pop, nothing more, nothing less, okay? You are a cup, okay, or you are a glass, and that Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit is a symbol of water. Okay, can you do that? You guys there with me? Tracking so far? Okay. Um, Let's say right now that we have the work of the Holy Spirit that is para or with you. We see this in the scripture, and it's if you were this glass, then let's take a pitcher of water and just set it next to that glass. Okay? And that is a work of the Holy Spirit that he is just with you in life. Okay? Some of these verses are John 14, 16. When Jesus says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. That's the Holy Spirit. He's the helper. That he may abide with you forever. That's one of the works of the Holy Spirit is he's with you. He's a helper who's with you. He's the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you. And spoiler alert and will be in you. But don't think about that part yet, okay? I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you, okay? Uh, John 14, 25, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you, and the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. So something that the Holy Spirit does while he is with you is he testifies of Jesus, teaches us things, brings to remembrance the things that he said to us. Now, um, I'm kind of getting into all the John verses. Okay. Uh, I would say the last verse I want to sh- share with you concerning the para or the with you is John 16, 8. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Okay. So before you know Jesus, you are an empty glass waiting to be filled, but not yet filled. Maybe you're not even waiting to be filled. You're at war with God. You want nothing to do. Okay. And then you've got this, this water next to you. Okay, the Holy Spirit, he, he has this job in the world of going around to people and testifying of Jesus to people. He has this job of speaking through Christians, testifying to non-Christians about sin and about righteousness and about the judgment that will come one day to every person. And when that person has been prepared by the Holy Spirit and, and preached to by the preachers and and it been evangelized, that person says, man, I am convicted of my sin. I know that there's a righteous God. I'm going to be judged. I'll go to hell if I don't come to Jesus. He has come and loved me and died for me that I might be saved and redeemed back to him. I want that. Thank you, God. I receive you into my life. When we receive Jesus, we are born again and a work of the spirit happens. We are no longer merely para with the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit comes in us, okay? It's the second word I want to give you. In the Greek, it's the word 
N-E-N, and it means in, okay? Uh, we already spoiled it in John 14, 17. He dwells with you, and he will be in you, okay? Now, something I love about this illustration, when I was a high school kid, my youth pastor did this illustration, and I can just never teach on the Holy Spirit. And usually I got props, but not today, sorry. Um, I love this picture because in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 13, it says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, whom also, having believed, listen to this, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Have you guys ever filled a cup, a glass, to the tippy, tippy, tippy top? To where, I always prank my wife and used to do it to my siblings, you know? They'd be like, can I have some water? And I'd be like, sure. And I'd just, you asked for it, you know? And I just love to just, all the way to the top. And have you ever noticed, if you fill it all the way to the tippy top, it kind of goes up over the glass a little bit, and you can even kind of wiggle the glass, and it doesn't spill out over. There is a seal on the top of water. I learned this in seventh grade science class called a meniscus, okay? Uh, Or water tension. Some kids always like, it's water tension or something. I don't know. You know, surface tension or pressure. I don't know. And, And it seals that glass. There's like this little seal, It's a picture, if you will, of the Holy Spirit. When we receive him, believe in him, we are filled to the top with the water that we've been studying. The living water. Our life is changed. We're born again. We're a new creation. He who is in Christ is a new creation. And we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And and I love these new Pops cans that are out. They're like a lemonade drink or whatever. And they have the like seal on the pop can. They're like aluminum foil. So you peel the aluminum off and then you crack it. It's like, like I needed that. But thank you. That's a waste of money. But uh, we are sealed in the tippy top with the Holy Spirit. And this is something that I would encourage you. If you're a person that's like every other day you think you've left or lost your salvation. God hates me for sure. You know, it's like if you believe in Jesus, you've been sealed with the Spirit. Now trust in that and rejoice in that. And live for Jesus in light of that. Matt Carter said, if you come to him, he will give you unending life by putting his spirit inside you. He will actually put some of him inside of you. My spirit inside of you, Jesus says, becomes a river of unending life. Now I want to talk about the third position of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life, okay? And it's where we see in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, this word, upon. Okay? In the Greek, it's the word epi. So he's with you, and he's in you. (laughs) I think that means something in sign language. (laughs) Okay, moving right along. (laughs) In you. (laughs) And, help me, Lord Jesus. And he's upon you. This is what I meant to do with the upon. Okay. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive this power that he's speaking of to be a bold witness. Okay. 
Acts chapter 2, verse 3, we see the day of Pentecost comes. This is the day, guys. This is the day that Jesus promised. This is the day when the Holy Spirit comes. This ushers in the age of the Spirit. This ushers in the time where we don't have the Spirit for one prophecy and then he leaves us, or for one great event and then he leaves us. No, this ushers in this permanent power of the Holy Spirit upon believers. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 3, then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. Acts chapter 8, verse 16, for as yet the Holy Spirit had fallen upon none of them. Then notice, just real quick, there's a, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They only had a water baptism. They had not had the Holy Spirit baptize them. Uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 44, Peter's speaking the words, this is to Cornelius' household, the Holy Spirit fell upon all of those who heard the word. Acts eleven fifteen. and as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, this is Peter referencing that last um, event, as he fell upon us at the beginning, two times the word upon is used. Acts chapter 19, verse 6, and when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. And uh, so, this epi of the Holy Spirit, or this upon Holy Spirit, comes for the purpose of bold proclamation of the gospel. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, when you have the Holy Spirit, you will be witnesses. And the word witness in the Greek is the word marturo, which means you will have the courage to go out and be such a, a Jesus lover, that, that you'll be a martyr for me before you even die. You just won't care what people think. You'll be bold in proclaiming, and you'll have the courage to even go to the point when it is time to die, I'm going to give you the power to die for me. G. Campbell Morgan says, he was able to satisfy thirst, and moreover, that those who receive such satisfaction from him should become channels through whom the overflowing rivers should pass. So what we're speaking of with the baptism with the Holy Spirit is the overflowing or the epi. In the book of Acts, you see the word, when this time comes, you see the word filling happen, but it's in the tense in the Greek to where it speaks of continual filling. And so we were talking about a pitcher of water and you're filled to the top. But when it comes to the baptism with the Holy Spirit, it's no longer a pitcher that runs out. It's more like a garden hose placed over the glass that just bubbles and bubbles and bubbles and bubbles and bubbles over and never ends. Because in the Greek, it's a continual filling with the power of the Holy Spirit. And in the book of Acts, when you read the book of Acts, you have the same group of people who, first of all, in John chapter 20, had been breathed on by Jesus. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. I, I just understand that they received the Holy Spirit there um, to the filling part. Uh, and then are told, now go wait for the promise of the Father. It's the baptism with the Holy Spirit. He will come upon you, and now you'll have the courage to go out into the world to be martyrs for me, to live a life for me that's so brave because you don't even care about your life. It's like you're already dead. Now you have the power to go out and live for me. And so when you read the book of Acts, you go to chapter 4 and chapter 5, you see that those same people 
are filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, then they're filled with the Holy Spirit after they're persecuted and they spend time in prayer. They're filled with the Holy Spirit again after that time of prayer. There's just this continual filling with the Holy Spirit for the Christian. There's times where we're dry. There's times where we've been pouring out. And then we just come back to the Lord and we just receive from Him this continual filling, this continual overflowing or the epi of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the beautiful thing about this is that in Acts chapter 2, verse 37 through 39, when Peter's preaching his sermon on the day of Pentecost, the day the Holy Spirit was poured out, he preaches the gospel and he tells those that are listening to repent of their sins. This is in verse 38. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are as far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And so Peter's preaching to the Jews who crucified Jesus. They say, what should we do? We crucified the Messiah. He says, turn away from your sin. Be baptized with water as a symbol of you turning away from your sin. And you shall receive the Holy Spirit. And just going to, spoiler alert, as you go through the book of Acts, sometimes the Holy Spirit comes when someone's just listening to the sermon. I don't even have to do anything. Holy Spirit just comes upon you guys. Uh, Sometimes it happens when someone lays hands on someone. Sometimes it happens at baptism. Sometimes it happens before baptism. When you read the book of Acts, There's no box that the Holy Spirit has put on as to when he comes upon you, continually overflowing you in this way. But one of the beautiful things is is that the promise of the Holy Spirit wasn't just for them back in that day. It said right there in Acts chapter 2, the promise is for you and for your children and as to as many as the Lord God will call. I got to admit, I was a little bit of a critic of the new song that we're singing that has that bridge. So I'm like, may his favor be upon you and your children and their 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 children and also their children. You know, I'm like, how many children are these people having? Seriously. Okay. And then I started thinking about it. I like literally just said it to Lindsay when we're driving in the car and she's like, well, you're kind of a jerk. And I'm like, well, maybe you should read your Bible. No. (laughs) And as we're talking, the Lord's like, oh yeah, what about what you're going to be teaching on? In the book of Acts today, I was going to Polina. About the Holy Spirit to their children and their children and their children's children. It's like the Russian doll situation. You just keep pulling them out and they just keep getting smaller. And here we are back here, guys. 2021, here we are. The Holy Spirit is for us as well today. You can not raise your hand or you can raise your hand, but if you are one that the Lord our God has called, that's you, then the Holy Spirit and the promise of the Father is for you today. This river that never ends is for you. And in Acts chapter 19, there's, there's different interpretations on this, and I just humbly throw out mine, and I'm, I may be wrong. Um, some of my favorite preachers would disagree with me, so it's okay. <clears throat> but my understanding is I've searched the word and done my diligent study. Paul comes to some disciples um, of Apollos there in Ephesus. He finds some disciples and he asked them, he just sees something about their life. They're disciples of Jesus. They've been baptized, actually. And, uh, and maybe they've been baptized not knowing about Jesus yet, but they were baptized by John the Baptist. That's some, maybe some understanding on that. But he sees some disciples, is what they're called, followers. And he says, there's something about their life that when he looks at them, he's like, you guys are a little dry. 
Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we've never even heard of the Holy Spirit. And so he spends some time, he just lays hands on them and he prays for them. They receive the Holy Spirit and they're given spiritual gifts. There's a lot there. There's some different understandings. My understanding, I think the Bible teaches it and my experience, like 25 years that I've been in ministry, guys. I know I look young, but I'm really old inside, okay? My experience is that there are people that I think are born again, but I look at their lives and I'm like, man, you are dry. And you need, just, you need to ask for the baptism with the Holy Spirit. You need to ask for fresh wind in your sails, fresh fire to propel you. And I do not say that you need the Holy Spirit so that you'll just have some weird experience and finally get those goosebumps that you always wanted on the back of your neck, you know, and do something weird and crazy and lose control. Maybe you'll need a barf bag by you while you do it. I've been a part of those churches and they are empty. I'm telling you that. But but I'm telling you that there is power in the Holy Spirit that I think many Christians, they just neglect. They don't care. They're afraid of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts. And we live in a day where people are like, I'm just scared. I don't want to mess up with the Holy. I don't want to mess up. I'm afraid. Or I've been, I've seen things. I've seen things. I have seen things. Okay. I've seen abuses. I've seen misuse. But that does not take away proper use. Okay. And, and so my urging is that you today would be open to more of the Holy Spirit in your life. D.L. Moody, in his young days, he was already getting famous. This is the 1880s, roughly. He was already famous. Uh, He already had a ministry. Good things were happening. But there was a conviction in his heart that he was doing it according to his own power, his own charisma, his own personality, and he would be preaching, and there were these two ladies um, in the audience, and they always looked like they were praying for him. And one day when he was greeting them when they left, uh, he said, you know, hey, I know you're praying for me. I can tell you're praying for me when I'm preaching. And they're like, we are praying for you. He's like, okay. And then next week, he's like, what, what are you praying for me for? And they're like, for the, for the power. For the power? It could be kind of insulting. What do you mean around power? Have you seen what I'm doing around here? You know? Then the next week, they come back and they're praying. He said, okay, I want you to be specific with me. What power? What what are you talking about? You know, of course, you got to use discernment. You get people showing up like, I'm praying that you had this crazy stuff happening. You know, it's like, no, they said, for the power of the Holy Spirit. They could sense he was doing it in his own strength. He needed the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he prayed right then and there with these gals uh, and there's a couple accounts of this. Uh, one of the ladies they called Auntie Cook. She's probably an interesting one. To <laughs> Call me Auntie. Mm, that's reserved from, okay, running out of time. Four minutes, four minutes. Okay. Worship team, come on up. Got to put my money where my mouth is. So Auntie Cook was one of these gals who prayed with R.A. Tory for the baptism with the Holy Spirit and uh, with D.L. Moody. Everyone's got to have initials in their first name. D-L-R-A. And Tori gives the account of this. And he says, Auntie Cook once told me of the intense fervor of which Mr. Moody prayed on that occasion. She told me in words that I scarcely dare repeat, though I have never forgotten them. And he not only prayed with them, but he also prayed alone. 
Not long after, one day, on his way to England, he was walking up Wall Street in New York. And R.A. Torrey has a little parentheses, and he says, Mr. Mr. Moody very seldom spoke of this, and I almost hesitate to tell it. It's just one of those holy life testimony stories, you know? Some of you have those. So Mr. Moody is walking up Wall Street on his way to go be an evangelist in Europe, And in the midst of the bustle and the hurry of that city, his prayer was answered. The power of God fell upon him as he walked up the street and he had to hurry off to the house of a friend and ask that he might have a room by himself. And in that room, he stayed alone for hours and the Holy Ghost came upon him, filling his soul with such joy that at last he had to ask God to withhold his hand lest he die on that spot from very joy. He went out from that place with the power of the Holy Ghost upon him, and when he got to London, partly through the prayers of brethren saint, uh, it's a little, another princess, the power of God brought through him mightily in North London, and hundreds were added to the church, and that was what led to his being invited over to this wonderful campaign that would follow in the later years. And so today we're going to just spend some time just asking for what D.L. Moody asked for. Power to live the Christian life. Maybe you're a Christian here today and you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. There's holiness in you. There's a love for the Lord in you. I'm not saying that there's not. But maybe your life is lacking power. You're not evangelizing the lost. You're not crossing the street to actively pursue people that don't know Jesus. You don't even know what your spiritual gifts are or how they could be used in a church to build up the church. And today is just a day that I just encourage you, like, have you received the Holy Spirit? If you were to ask people in your life, like, be honest with me. Is my life a little bit dry? When you think of my spiritual life and how I lead our home or how I tend our children or how I'm witnessing to the neighbors, how I'm serving our marriage, you know, is it dry? Is it lifeless? And they might be like, I think that there could be more for you. Like for me, I think that there's more for us. I think this is a biblical theology of the Holy Spirit. I know Reformed Calvinists, John Piper is one, who has come around to believe, I believe that there's, this is his, this is him saying, I believe that there's a subsequent work of the Holy Spirit. Meaning the Holy Spirit comes on us when we're saved and the Holy Spirit comes on us thereafter. Piper would say, especially for that purpose of being bold and brave and courageous. Alistair Begg is one of my favorite preachers. I got to have dinner with him once and go for a walk with him. Love him. I I told him, did anybody ever tell you that you're like a father for them? Spiritual father? And he goes, and I go, I'm sorry, everyone says that, honey. He goes, no, it just makes me feel really old, you know? I said, my name's Rory Rogers. I just, you're like a father to me. He goes, Rory Rogers. I'll never forget that, you know. 
So I called him up, I'm like, Alistair? He's like, who is this? No. Um, but Alistair, teaching through the book of Acts, just holds to a little different understanding than I do. And I tell you, I could go and serve in his church till the day I die. Have no problem with it. But here's what he says. Whatever it is, I need it. And whenever it happens, I want it. And so D.L. Moody was, there's a story of Moody, and he was like sitting back after some guys came to an outreach, and they were just like, nope, you get the Holy Spirit when you're saved, and that's it. And he just sat back frustrated, and he was like, oh, just arguing over semantics, and we're just missing out on the power that it brings. And one way or another, let's just all humble ourselves today and, and just say, I'm going to say, Lord, if I received the Spirit when I was born again, and that's all you got for me, then I want to walk in that. Help me to walk in that. Could you pray that? Or maybe you're at a place today where you're like, okay, I see it. I see that there's a continual filling. I see that there's a garden hose of the Holy Spirit. like more torrents of living water. That's not what my life is right now. I am dry and dull and weary and I got nothing. I'm not serving. I'm grumpy. There's no fruits of the Spirit in my life. There's no love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are not things that mark my life. And I just need more of the Holy Spirit in my life. But I encourage you today ask. It's in the gospel of Luke 11, 11, that Jesus says, if a son asks bread from a father among you, would you give him a stone? Or if you asked for a fish, will you give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asked for an egg, would he offer him a scorpion? Of course not. No good dad does that. If you then being an evil person know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does the Lord know how to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of Him. And so today, ask of the Holy Spirit. Moody's testimony, and oftentimes in his ministry, he would go alone in a room, and he would ask for the Holy Spirit. I think biblically, go alone in a room, ask for hands to be laid on you. Maybe it's already happening right now. You're just like, the Holy Spirit has come upon me while I'm listening to this. Praise God. When I was in middle school, the Lord touched my sister's life with the Holy Spirit. We were going to a really Pentecostal church at the time, but I think she was walking in a biblical understanding of it. And I walked by her bedroom, and she was laying face down on the ground, weeping to the Lord. Weeping, just being poured out for the Lord. And I remember mocking her. It's a great middle school brother, right? What are you doing? Let's do that. And she goes, also a very mature high school girl, I'm being baptized with the Holy Spirit. She slammed the door in my face. <laughs> that's kind of how the Holy Spirit is these days. I mean, that's how we operate. Like, you don't even believe in Him. Oh, I totally believe in Him. You know, it's just a bunch of drama. Just forget the drama. Just say, Lord, whatever this Holy Spirit is, I want it. Whatever it happens, I need Him. Today you can ask. Today go for a walk. Today spend time in your room. Spend time with your family. Knelt together in the living room. Pray for the Holy Spirit upon your family. My son Russell, when he was like 10 years old, prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord has just been using him mightily. It's 12.05. Okay. Stand up with me, will you? Thank you guys for your patience. Let's just move to prayer.
Lord, I'm sure in this room there are very conservative Christians here. There are very liberal Christians. Probably with just different understandings, Lord. I don't I guess I'm in the middle. But Lord, we just we all would say we want to be biblical, Lord. We raise our hands and say we believe this is the word and we want to just walk in obedience to your word. We all would raise our hands and say, Lord, we want the gospel to be preached in this dark world. We all would say we want to be used in the church in any way that you would just give us your power to be used in it. And just being here at a Calvary Chapel, just kind of walking some yielding and some submission to the leadership of this church and the direction that you've led us as we seek the word and I just, Lord, I, I just say, Lord, that for this church that I tend, I minister to, Lord, that I believe you want to pour yourself out with torrents of living water and baptize our congregation with fire, Lord. Let the refiner's fire come and bring holiness and purge away chaff. Let the refiner's fire come and bring combustion from within that'll transform this dark, dark, dark nation that we're living in. Lord, that we would just be so not concerned with the political climate right now, that we would be so overly concerned with the souls around us that need Jesus. Let that be said of Calvary Chapel, Lord. And so right now, maybe you just know that the Lord wants some time alone with you today, and you don't have to do anything right now, but just maybe just wait with us for a little bit. But you know the Lord wants you to go for a walk with Him today. It was David Brainerd missionary to the Indians in the 1700s that um, was walking in the woods when the Holy Spirit came upon him. And Moody walking down Wall Street. Maybe you, you just, the Lord's saying, come away with me this afternoon. I want, I want to baptize you alone. Or maybe today, you know, like the walk's not going to happen and I just need my brothers and sisters around me and I just desire this. Um, I'm just going to make available today uh, the elders up front, the home group and core group leaders and their wives. We're just going to kind of spread out. And we're just going to be here to <clears throat> lay hands on you. It's, it's a biblical way. It's not the only way. If you just desire the baptism with the Holy Spirit today, I want to pray for you for that to be the case. And um, maybe you just know it's, it's cool. I can just be in my seat right now and I can just lift my hands up. And maybe you would lift your hands up in a posture of reception, just receive the Holy Spirit today. Johnny and I were hanging out the other night picking the songs that we would do today, and we chose I Surrender All today, mostly because I was going to finish the text, John 7, I didn't do that, but the Pharisees and the officers, they needed to surrender to Jesus, but there is a verse in it that says, fill me with your love and power. That's what we're talking about today, the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're just going to close in song, and if you just know that you need the Holy Spirit, maybe you're like those guys, we've never even heard of the Holy Spirit. Today, come forward, we'll pray for you.